Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, last week on All Things, episode 58, I had the chance to interview my friend and my colleague, Jesse. Jesse Holing works at our church, and he has also recently served with Project 127, which is an organization that serves as a bridge between the foster care system and the Christian church. And not only that, but Jesse was himself a child in the foster care system and was adopted by his his foster parents along with his brother and sister. So I hope you had a chance to listen to that episode. Jesse spoke with a ton of wisdom and grace and vulnerability about what it was like to be a child in foster care and to grow up in a church as a member of a foster and adoptive family. We talked about the variety of experiences and emotions that foster kids have, the importance of foster families and how they orient themselves rightly when they start the process, and and that orientation being to provide a family to a child rather than a child for a family, as well as that misguided but very popular belief that all you need is love to foster and adopt. So if you haven't yet, please take time, maybe after this episode, to go back and listen to what Jesse had to say last week. On this episode today, we're number 59, and we're going to build on that interview with Jesse last week. May is Foster Care Awareness Month. So today, I have two more friends sitting with me, another interview, to help me and all of you, all of the All Things listeners, gain more insight into the foster care system. Jen and Julie, sitting here, go to my church, and they are dear friends and women that I look up to. Their faith spurs me on, and I think their perspectives on foster care are so good and so wise, really spot on, and that's why I invited them. So before I um, go any further and say any more great things about them, they can speak for themselves. So Jen and Julie, thank you so much for being on today's All Things. Can we just start off briefly and have you guys tell us a little bit about your current families and then maybe how you came to be involved in foster care? In other words, you know, what influenced you to take this step? Um, yeah, thanks for having us. My name's Jen and my current family is um, my husband, Andy. We have a daughter who is 12 um, named Macy. We have a nine-year-old son named Reed and we have a current foster placement who is post-termination and almost to adoption. Um, we initially started foster care, um, I think when we saw other people doing it is is the biggest thing. I think that um, if you see other people doing it and see that it's possible and know how to start, I think that's a big reason um, that we started because it seemed something possible that we could do. Um, my husband is a firefighter and I'm a nurse and we've both just seen both sides of the mm-hmm. foster care system from our work as well. Um, and so we both had a heart for it. Um, and we just got to a place in our faith and in our marriage where um, I think our family was doing well. We had this house that had an extra room mm-hmm. and we had our marriage was doing well. And we just kind of looked at each other one day and said, is this all just for us? Or mm-hmm. what should we do with this life that we've mm-hmm. created? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we started. Oh, Jen, is this all just for us? That's a piercing question. That's a good question. Yeah. That's what I'm going to be chewing on after this episode. Is this all just for us? Um, Now, you said one thing that I bet a number of listeners don't know what it means. What is post-termination? Oh, sure. So um, our foster child um, has been with us for a while. Post-termination means that his parents' rights have been terminated, and he is um, what they call legally free for adoption. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that clarification. 
Julie, tell us about your family and how you got into foster care. Yep. So my name's Julie, uh, and my husband is Jonathan. Most of you know him by John. I'm the only one who calls him Jonathan. <laughs> um, and then we have a we have a Sadie who's 12 also, and we have a Schaefer who's nine. So Jen and I actually met when we were pregnant with our girls. Um, so. 12 years ago. And then we have a daughter, Alora, who is three, who we actually adopted. And um, yeah, right now, currently in our family, we have a placement of a one-month-old who we adore. Um, So that's kind of our family dynamic right now. It's kind of, it changes a lot. Well, the five of us are going to stay forever. But we have... One coming in and out a lot. So, um, yeah, foster care for us. So my husband and I met in Mexico on a, like a house building missions trip and, uh, we were young. Well, not that young, but we were pretty young. And, um, before we were married, we always talked about adoption, um, possibly just cause it sounded like, I mean, I had only been a believer at that point for like eight years and sounded like a good Christian thing to say. <laughs> yeah. One day maybe we'll adopt. And he was on board too. And, um, so that was, gosh, at, by the time we started foster care training, that was 10 years before. Um, and we got to a point 10 years into our marriage where our oldest was, I think, nine and our youngest was six. And um, I remember we were flying home from Kauai on a red eye and we kind of similar to Jen, like my husband had a great job. We had a good marriage. We were solid, secure, <laughs> um, and just felt this like stir again, like, Hey, remember when you said adoption might be in your future? Uh, maybe you should start looking into that. And then, um, it was just kind of a fleeting thought. I don't even think I talked to Jonathan at that point about it, but then like Jen, we saw, um, God providentially brought a family that we got to tangibly see what foster care and adoption look like. And, um, just started opening that door of talking about it and what would this look like for our family and could we do this? And we're like, no, we can't. (laughs) Um, But just decided after we heard um, that we would go to an info night and just hear a little bit more about foster care because that was not really on our radar. Um, So just decided to take that first step and then we walked out of that meeting and we were like, oh, great. <laughs> we wish we could unknow the things that we just heard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how we started the process of training is we just decided to take one step at a time and um, see if it worked. Uh, we were definitely not all in from um, the beforehand. Um, it was it was a thing that God had to work out in our hearts. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of fear, um, a lot of just not feeling like we could do it. Um, I came from a family that had a lot of trauma and abuse and addiction and divorce and um, no foster care in my immediate family, but just a lot. And so my biggest goal in life was to run away from that and to never experience that again. Mm -hmm. So when God started stirring my heart to work with families that um, have addiction and have trauma and have, um, family problems. I was scared Mm. and that was not what I wanted to do, but, Mm. um, yeah, so that's kind of how we started. Wow. So you guys both have said something really similar in terms of you saw another family do it. And I love that. I mean, I think that's, that's why the church exists. That's why we're not supposed to neglect gathering together. Mm -hmm. We're meant to spur one another on to love and good deeds. So that is a beautiful picture that you saw somebody else dive in. Mm -hmm. You, You saw that it's 
hard, mm-hmm. but doable. Yeah. And like you said, Jen, and also Julie, you mentioned this too, just like we, we have this life, we have this mm-hmm. marriage, we yeah. have this home, we have this room. Is it all for us? Yeah. Um, so you have already really stirred my heart and I'm sure listeners feel the same way. So last week I um, just threw a story up on Instagram and said, what are your questions to anybody who follows me? What are you curious about when it comes to foster care? And I got a lot of really, um, a lot of questions that were repeated actually. And some, just some helpful things that I think can kind of guide our conversation so that those ladies, um, I'm assuming most ladies, I know I have a few male listeners, shout out to the men who listen to all things, (laughs) but um, so that we, that you can sort of, in a sense, be that family that they see from afar mm-hmm. doing it and that it's hard but doable. Um, but so I guess the first question that I would love to pose to you guys um, that came up a, several times is about your marriage. Like how unified did you feel with your husbands in this conversation? Mm-hmm. How, how important is that unity? And then we can transition from that to bio kids. Probably the number one question I got was what about my biological mm-hmm. children? Um, what maybe needs to be in place with my biological kids to take this step or what mm-hmm. would you hesitate or just any wisdom you guys have related to marriage and bio kids, um, for those who are con- contemplating this journey. Yeah, I can speak to that for okay. a minute. Just, um, anybody who knows our family and knows, um, our, our marriage and our dynamics between, um, Jonathan and I knows that Jonathan is a very like, um, planned type a, (laughs) um, very, he wants to know like what all the plans are, what all the options are and walking into foster care, there's none of that. And so, um, one, I think that for us specifically, um, it would never work if one of us was driving it. So mm-hmm. the fact that God called Jonathan to foster care is a miracle. Mm-hmm. So miracles happen. Um, <laughs> and I would just, I mean, I can't speak to if my husband wasn't on board cause Jonathan was and, mm-hmm. um, but I can speak to the fact that it is a family mission. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, all in, um, all on board. Uh, we communicate more now than we ever did in our first 10 years of marriage because you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, I would just, I, I know that I have a lot of women that say, I would love to do it, but my husband would never do it. He would never think about it. It's just too scary for him. And, um, I would just encourage you to reach out to other foster families and maybe even just ask him like, what are his fears and work through those. Do not jump into it without him. <laughs> You'd have to have him anyways, but, um, just think through those things because typically those fears are common in all people. We all have those fears. None of us walk into foster care and say, we are completely equipped to do this. (laughs) We can fully take Mm -hmm. on anything Mm -hmm. that is thrown at us. Um, those fears are common. And I think especially for men, and this is maybe a generalization, but, um, as the head of the house and as one who provides and, um, cares for the family, it's scary. It's scary to think about bringing in, um, kids who have trauma in their families and all these issues. Like, Mm -hmm. um, so it is scary and hard and, um, I would just say pray and then seek out and take steps toward it. If that's what you feel like God's calling you to in the, 
in the regards of reaching out to maybe other foster families. Mm -hmm. I know Jonathan loves talking to other men who have similar concerns and he's not on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like we continue to have these conversations. Um, and then our kids at that point were nine and six and they were fully on board. And for us, they continue to be on board. So this is always a conversation we have before we take any placement for us. It's a family decision. Um, and so we always check in because for us, we need everyone on board. Mm -hmm. Um, it can't just be one of us driving it. And so, um, yeah, and I, I'll just say this really quick, um, little, little God story. I know one of Jonathan's biggest fears, and my biggest fears were even just with two kids, we were afraid that we wouldn't have time. You know, he works full time. I homeschool and, you know, it's busy. And so they were in, they're in sports and all the things. And so he just was afraid that our kids would feel like they were getting neglected or not getting all of our attention. So one thing is, is that the friend that I talked about that I saw doing it, she just really lovingly and sweetly said, um, sounds like, do you feel like your kids are idols? <laughs> she said that to me. I was like, I I don't even know how I responded, but it was this convicting, like, well, yeah, that is. And it was this fear of like, I'm not going to be enough for them. And, mm-hmm. and it turns out I'm not enough for them. None of us are. Um, and so there's that. But then also I, I will say that probably two months into having our first placement, um, Jonathan took the two kids, our two, our two bio kids, our two firstborn out to lunch. We made it a habit to check in with them one-on-one. And he said to the kids, I think he was driving or something. He said, Hey, how are you guys feeling? Like, do you feel like you have enough time with us? And, and, you know, asked him kind of like, just open that dialogue up. And my daughter, Sadie said, dad, I just feel like ever since we started foster care, we have more time with you, mm-hmm. which is just a complete miracle because that is not what happened. Like it was a complicated case. We had visits twice a week. It was very, um, it was, there was a lot involved. It was our first placement. Um, and so that is not the truth. Mm-hmm. She did not have more time with him. Um, but that's how she felt. And so I just would encourage you, um, to bring those fears to the Lord and he is a God of miracles Mm -hmm. and he will, um, yeah. So I don't know. I just, that to me was always just comforting when you follow the Lord and do what he says. He, he will not to say that they haven't felt slighted. They have, you know, in different (laughs) times or different ways, but you know, I just think that anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like that kind of points back to what you said at the beginning of your answer is that she was feeling maybe the unity of the mission of your family. You were on mission together. You know, you had this goal Mm -hmm. as a unified unit, whereas so many times we're running in different directions, Mm -hmm. you know, to a job, to a sporting event, to whatever, where our families are really fragmented, Mm -hmm. even though maybe we're coming back together for dinner at night, you know, and we've got lots of great routines. Sometimes the reality is there's not a shared calling and mission from the Lord. And that can really change a family to have a unified mission. So I love that story. Thanks for sharing that. Good words. Jen, what do you give us some wisdom about marriage and bio kids from your experience? Um, Tell us. So my husband and I were actually opposite of many families and that my husband would have done foster care years before I would have ever considered it. Mm -hmm. And I, um, for a long time, I like every time he would bring something like that up, I'd be like, okay, I think we're busy enough. You know, we, we have enough going on. And I think that's probably for super brave people. Um, and over time, um, 
God just worked on my heart. I think he put mm. kids in my life at work. And um, I just saw other families doing it and slowly came mm. around to say, I remember the first time I was like, maybe we should do that. And he mm. was like, okay, let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. Mm. Um, I will say that before our first training, I have this really strong memory of I just believe that there's spiritual warfare around mm-hmm. foster care. And I just remember before our first meeting, we almost didn't go. It felt hard. It felt scary. And it felt like um, when I told you I was going to do this, I think maybe I think maybe I was wrong. I don't think God actually said that. Like maybe we should just bring meals or something <laughs> to people who were doing it. Um, but we made it through that really hard night where I feel like Andy and I didn't even speak to each other a lot of that night. It was hard. Mm. And when we got to the other side of it and we went to the meeting, we just like prayed about it, called it for what it was Mm. and said, if there's opposition, then this is probably what we're being called to. Mm. And let's just take small steps in that direction and see what happens. And here we are. So obviously (laughs) we made it through some of that. Um, As far as our bio kids go, they were always on board. I think kids love so fully Mm -hmm. and so easily, whereas, you know, we want to know what's the story, where do they come from, Mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. Our kids just, like, are all love. Mm -hmm. They don't care where this kid comes Mm -hmm. from. And um, so seeing that in my kids has been Mm -hmm. so beautiful. Seeing my youngest... um, give Mm -hmm. and not take, Mm -hmm. um, and change that dynamic a little bit has been really beautiful, um, for our family. Um, there was a book I read. Am I allowed to say a book? It's called called reframing foster care. Mm -hmm. And there's a chapter in that book that says, um, are you're worried about your kids if you do foster care, but maybe you should worry about your kids if you don't, Mm -hmm. maybe you should think about what, how you're raising your kids if you're not willing to sacrifice for others. And that, I, when I read that, I just felt like, yeah, I definitely don't want to raise my kids. You know, when you look around at your neighbors and the kids' school, these kids a lot of times are idols, like Julie said. And, and I definitely didn't want to raise my kids that way. And so I felt like maybe we do need to take the harder path um, and wow. come toward that yeah. with our family. Um, and as we moved through and we started training and we got our first placement, seeing our kids even interact with our foster son's bio mom. Mm. Um, my daughter would defend her before I would. Mm. Seeing our kids just like love so openly mm. and so purely has been like one of the greatest gifts mm. in this journey for us. Yeah. Wow. I'm going to piggyback on what you said, Jen, a little bit about just intentionally, like not intentionally, but put, placing our kids in a, in a place where where there's brokenness yeah. and we don't have the answers. We don't know what tomorrow's going to look like. We don't know what next year's going to look like. Um, we don't know if the parents are going to make it or if they're going to fall off. Like all those things yeah. is super uncomfortable and hard as a parent. Mm-hmm. I think it goes against um, just that, our culture for sure, mm-hmm. trying to yeah. fix everything. But I, I feel like God highlighted that. I have girlfriends who were raised in the church and the first time they really got to know Jesus was when they had trouble in their marriage. Mm. They didn't need him before that. Mm-hmm. They just didn't. Yeah. I, I mean, That's they, it. they heard yeah. about him. They yeah. read him, about him in the Bible and they yeah. read about these terrible stories, but it didn't, it didn't affect them because their lives were great. Mm-hmm. They had everything they needed. They didn't, you know, they weren't struggling or facing persecution yeah, or any of those things, uncertainties, mm-hmm. all those things. And so they came to know Jesus when they needed him. And I feel like for our kids, 
when they see brokenness and when it affects them and when they're crying in your bed at Mm -hmm. night because you've had to send a child home Mm -hmm. to a situation that you didn't know, they are face to face with the reality of, is this all there is? Is this life all there is? Or is what mom is saying and dad (laughs) and the Bible Mm -hmm. about this earth being temporary and heaven will be no more tears and all those things and a longing for heaven. Is that true? And they come face to face with that at a young age. I mean, my nine-year-old, you know? Um, And so, I mean, the jury's still out with our kids. We don't know. We might be screwing them up. (laughs) Ask me in 10 years. Because you definitely get a lot of people telling you, oh, yeah, my parents did foster care, and it totally was, you know, they, yeah. So, you can edit that part. (laughs) All of it. Sorry. No. no. I just think it's important to, yeah, talk through just that piece of, like, Mm because it is the brokenness. We want to shelter our kids. Mm -hmm. We want to keep them from any harm or hurt or sadness, all of those things. And I get that. But I think, I don't think that's the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Of the man of sorrows. Like, if we're following Jesus. Yes. Yeah. They're going to be face-to-face, and obviously we're not telling them all the details of, of the case and all of the brokenness, but we can't shelter them from it all mm-hmm. and expect them to need Jesus. They don't need Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. If, yeah. So. And, yeah, and those amount of conversations you have as a family, the mm-hmm. prayer you have as a family, yeah. my kids seeing me cry because I don't know, right. and mm-hmm. hey, guys, I'm leaning on Jesus too because I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think that... I, I mean, I would hope that the Lord will just use those moments and I hope they remember those moments and not yeah. some of the, maybe yeah. the other ones, but sure. I just hope that those moments in their lives are highlighted. Like, wow, I remember when as a family, we were crying and mm-hmm. praying because we didn't know what was happening next Yes, mm-hmm. um, and that the Lord was faithful. Yes. Man, I love this. You guys are really spurring me on. And I think every listener is feeling it too. I'd imagine there's a number of ladies yelling amen as they're listening to this podcast when they drive to the grocery store or whatever. Um, I, I, but that idea, like that, this is something that Jesse said on last week's episode as well. He, he really framed foster care as an invitation to pursue something hard so that you know Jesus more deeply. Mm-hmm. And that's really what you guys have reiterated here. Um, and you're both right. We we do so much to shelter ourselves and our kids. We want life to be predictable and easy, and we want to manage all the things. Mm-hmm. And um, as you said, that's not the way of the man of sorrows. Yeah. That is not the way of our Lord. And he calls us to come and die. Mm-hmm. And this is an opportunity to lay down our lives. So um, thank you for, for all that truth. Um, now, let me ask you this. This is something a number of ladies asked me to ask you, what do you think about doing foster care outside of birth order? So we, we have actually adopted out of birth order, mm-hmm. but, um, you guys, and I think your foster placements have been younger than your bio children. Could you speak to that? Is that, has that been intentional? Um, and, and if you, I know you, maybe you can't speak to it personally, but like in your training and your certification, what have you seen other families do? Tell us about birth order and foster care. I can't speak to it personally because um, all of the foster kids we've had, even for um, short times, have been younger than our youngest. But I think that um, I think that you know your family and you prayerfully pursue what's the right answer for your family. And um, I don't think that I don't think that there are a lot of rules with foster care. I don't mm-hmm. think there are a lot of knowns. I think for us, that's what we did for our family. Um, it felt like a good place to start. Um, but I don't think there are any rules around mm-hmm. that. I Maybe, Julie, you have a different opinion. 
No, yeah, for us, um, I take newborns so they can go to lacrosse games with me. <laughs> <laughs> they behave. They can go in tow. I'm not, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it works for our family. I think that through the trainings, you meet other families that are pursuing foster care, and you realize, like, some families feel called to teens. Yeah. Some families feel called to toddlers. They don't want to wake mm-hmm. up with babies. And so um, it reminds you that when we are all doing our part and God mm-hmm. calls us to different things, um, we get to do that. Um, so for us, it has been babies because that's what works for our family. Um, and But I, like you said, I don't think that there are any rules. I think that kind of segues into a great like conversation about and something God has taught me um, so much about because there is a huge need for teens. There are teens, a lot of teens mm-hmm. um, in the foster care system and it's heartbreaking and hard and you see the statistics and it makes you want to crawl in a ball and die and just open like a teenage orphanage or something. But I think Um, it's so good to remember that we are not the savior. Mm -hmm. Like, and I, I need to remember that every day. I need to preach that to myself, Mm -hmm. um, that I am not the savior of the world of these kids, of any one placement that comes into my house. And so the need is great, but I'm called to what God is calling me specifically to and our family. And we've even had to say no to babies um, because it was not the right fit for our family. And that is really hard Mm -hmm. um, to trust the Lord with that. And I know, Jen, I've called you for wisdom because we had a a sibling situation um, that was, Jonathan, I felt differently about, and it was... um, it was hard to trust God. Um, but we do have to order that. Like we have to remember that, um, we are children of the King first and all of our service runs from that. And so for me, that means asking him like, what, what works for our family? What, um, are you calling me specifically to in this season? And maybe one day, I mean, Jen and I talk about all the time, like when we're 60, you know, maybe we'll take those teenagers (laughs) in. Um, but for right now, that's Mm -hmm. not what we're being called to. Mm -hmm. So I think if we all just try to listen intently to what God's calling us to, Mm -hmm. um, he'll reveal it. He cares. And that's the thing is like, I just have never had prayers answered so specifically as when I've done foster care. Cause God is in those prayers with me. Mm -hmm. Like I do ask him about where I should go on vacation, Mm -hmm. but I don't always get those answers. (laughs) But when I'm like pleading with him about foster care, I really feel like he answers, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, anyhow, I just think that it's, it's good to remember that because when you get into this, it's easy to think we have to save all these kids. There's so much brokenness. Um, but just remembering that we only we, we're infinite or we're finite right. he's, infinite. Yeah. he's infinite but we are we have capacity yeah. and so um I think that speaks a little bit to that question but no it does it does I think you know so many t- I think behind that question is the sense of you know maybe people feel like the Lord might be calling them to foster care and then it probably quickly escalates to like but we couldn't possibly because what about the ages of our kids right. or the dynamics of our home so we couldn't possibly right. Um, right. but I love what you said Julie about like if everybody did their part like we are a body mm-hmm. um, especially at the church and so we each have a role mm-hmm. and Jen what you said about, well, we just decided to get started. You know, you did not, you and your husband didn't know what that would look like at that first meeting. And as you progressed through certification, you didn't know the age of the kids you'd be taking, their abilities, um, the trauma that they were coming from. But you said, let's just 
one meeting at a time, yeah. move forward in faith yeah. that God will show us. And as Julie said, we're not the savior, mm-hmm. but we're going to be faithful to the small part that God has for us. So I love that because I think for for many people as they view foster care, it's like this huge thing and they can't, their minds get swimming yeah. and it's just too much. Mm-hmm. But one, one meeting at a time, one faithful step mm-hmm. at a time. That's so good. Um, now, a couple people reached out to find out what you thought about single people doing foster care. And I don't know if you guys have a, a thought about that. I, I actually know a couple singles that do foster mm-hmm. care, so I can speak to it too. But mm-hmm. do you guys, what are your thoughts? Um, I have a friend who is single and she probably does it better than we do. <laughs> I think that, I don't think that that's a barrier. I think that if God is calling you, then you should step forward in obedience and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. 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 I feel the same way. Yeah. I think that Um, It takes all types, and I think that different seasons um, lend itself to different ages and different situations. And, um, you know, like Jonathan and I walking into the first time we met um, our daughter's mom, here we are, this young couple, and the fear that she had that we were coming and trying to adopt. I mean, we had to work through so many things that, hey, we didn't get into foster care to adopt your your daughter. Like, I know we we seem like this young couple who just are, you know, wanting to expand their family, but that's not us, you know, whereas a single person can come in and just say, hey, we're here for you until you get better, you know, and really encourage them. I think that actually that could be a really sweet thing. Mm -hmm. We got our daughter from a 60 and 75 year old couple. The the woman was 60. (laughs) The man was 75. Very, you know, grandfather and grandmother (laughs) age. And um, I think that they did it beautifully in their season of life. So I think that if God's calling you to it, like you said, I think it can be really incredible in yeah. a different in a way that we can't do it right. you know They'll use it yeah, yeah. those kids won't be going to lacrosse games no <laughs> lucky them that's awesome there's a, a woman in my life who I only hung out with one time um, shout out to you Lindsay if you're listening but mm-hmm. she's a single woman who is a teacher in Denver and she is fluent in Spanish and she takes in foster teens who that's speak amazing. Spanish yeah. And I just think of like what you said, Jen, is all this for me. You know, Mm -hmm. she's looking at her skills and gifts as a teacher, her home, her steady stream of income and her ability to speak Spanish Mm -hmm. and is stewarding it um, for children who need, who are in crisis and need a place to stay. Mm -hmm. Um, Julie, let's switch to something that you just pointed to that I think is so key to this conversation. And that is that um, the birth mom that you met with had maybe some fear that you were out to get her daughter, Mm -hmm. that um, there might be this perception that like, you this young family you want to grow your family and and you've got your eye on the prize and it's her little girl Mm -hmm. Um, but you said no actually we're just we're here to serve you Mm -hmm. can you guys start to speak to that perspective because I think that and I know I this is huge right Mm -hmm. I'm asking an enormous question but for somebody who's new to foster care listening to this episode and they haven't really thought deeply you know this is like a new paradigm for many Mm -hmm. people a new way to look at it um, and it's kind of what Jesse spoke to last week of providing a family to a child rather than a child to a family. Yeah. So Julie, start us off with just some foundational thoughts about that. And then Jen, you can add to it and we can kind of grow this particular theme. Yeah. Um, I think that for us, that was, as we started foster care training, that was a big difference between adopting um, from, you know, an, an adoption um place or overseas or, you know, where it's like a closed adoption and foster care. Um, and so I got into foster care, uh, again saying, I, I mean, there was some, a a lot of naive 
thoughts of like, I'm a mom. I love being a mom. I'm home. You know, we have an extra room. Like we'll bring the babies in and I'll love them. And, you know, and I didn't really give a lot of thought to like, oh wait, no, they have a family (laughs) and this family. And I, I knew that in my head, but until you actually like get into it and you realize, um, the, the complexity, um, you don't really think about it that much. So our first placement, um, we actually got her um, after she had already been in care for five months with the couple that I was talking about. And so um, they chose us as a foster family because we weren't looking to adopt. That was not our goal. Um, And so they said, you know, she's going home within a few months. And so mom has a great relationship with current foster parents, grandma and grandpa foster parents, you know, (laughs) and we're hoping to find a foster family that we can kind of transition so they can support mom still. So that was very encouraged um, as, and we're like, great, we're on board. We love this. We don't want another, we like two kids. (laughs) And so um, we're not in it to adopt. So that's why we started, um, with our daughter, who is Alora. Um, and so we got to know her mom and that just, I mean, that has been such a game changer for us. Um, one, I just think it's the, one of the biggest privileges of my life to even have a relationship with her. Cause, um, a lot of foster families, the parents, um, they don't, engage in the case. And so, um, they do foster care. The, the foster family does the foster care, does the case, but parents aren't engaged. So they're not doing visits. They're not, um, working their treatment plan. And so they don't have that interaction. And, um, for us, we had the great privilege. We did have a family and it's hard, um, still, but we did have, um, her mom wanted to be involved. Her mom um, wanted her back. And so we did visits twice a week. And um, for me, that was, um, and still is, it continues to be, that was the reason I got into foster care, was to um, be able to um, see myself in her and to see my neediness in her and to see um, that the things that I have was, are not because of anything I did or not because of anything I deserve. Um, but it is the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And so I felt really early on, um, from the first time I met her, that God just wanted me to love her with all the love that he has for her. He told me, um, specifically you got into this for children and she is my child. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I just tried to love her that way Mm -hmm. and it wasn't always perfect. And it was, um, hard and, um, it was messy and, um, it was scary. Uh, but I just really tried to love her with the love that God has for her. And I, I I just feel really strongly that I want to be on the right side of this. I want to be the side of hope because that's what I believe. I have hope for her because God has hope for her. And so I did, I, I, and I still do. Um, even though we've adopted her daughter, um, I still have hope for her to be whole and to know Jesus and to um, be able to be a mom. I I have to have that hope. Um, And it goes against all statistics. um, But I think there's something really powerful when a foster family can step into that because we're not paid to love them. The caseworkers, they're they're lawyers that they're appointed through the county, um, all the people that act like they support them. Um, and they do, uh, they got into it for the right reasons, but they're all paid professionals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when the case closes, they're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, um, for us, we just felt like as a family, um, this is a Laura's family Mm -hmm. and it will always be her family. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
she is ours, but she's also hers. Mm. And so she's part of our family. We keep in contact with her. And like I said, it's messy and it's hard. And I don't have all the answers Mm. of what it's going to look like tomorrow or next year or in three years. Um, But I know that I am called to love her the way God loves her Mm. and that he loved me when I, and still loves me when I mess up. Mm. And so that was the unexpected, like, um, twist Mm -hmm. that I didn't see coming. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, yeah, it, yeah. So it's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so we, um, also didn't really get into foster care to adopt, Um, so when we first took in our little guy, he was two days old Mm -hmm. and I, I really got, I really, we really got into foster care for like the service aspect of it. Like I can physically meet the needs of this child. Mm -hmm. I can wake up at night. I have the capacity for that. And then, um, when he was less than a week old, sorry if I'm teary, Mm -hmm. I took him to meet his mom and dad for the first time. And I remember sitting in the car and I was so scared because I already loved him. And I said, um, I, I prayed, God, please, please give me the love for her mm-hmm. that you have for her. And um, mm-hmm. whether I wish I would have prayed that or not, he's been faithful. And we saw um, our little guy's mom mm-hmm. more than once a week for 15 months. Mm-hmm. We have quite a relationship with her. She actually recently messaged me that she misses us as much mm-hmm. as she misses him. And that for us became the meat of the gospel of foster Mm -hmm. care. That became, um, I can meet this little guy's needs, Mm -hmm. but I can show this woman Jesus. And I can love her in a way that maybe she hasn't been loved before and accept her as she is, Mm -hmm. which as when everybody else in the case is telling her to change, Mm -hmm. that my husband and I can walk into a room and and love her for who Mm -hmm. she is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that has just been... And for our kids to see that, mm. um, my kids ask about her. She's just, we, we have love for her that could only come from the Lord mm-hmm. because it's not natural. And she's very, very different from us. Um, and it, and it goes into their, you know, his extended family. I've met his grandma. I've talked to his aunts. <laughs> I've met his siblings. Um, and that is his family. Mm-hmm. Like Julie said, while Asher is soon to be our son, um, that doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. He doesn't become our son and leave all that behind. Mm-hmm. Um, we are essentially adopting a family. We're mm-hmm. taking in this family. And um, while there's going to be more distance now between us and his mom, and there needs to be some boundaries around that, um, I certainly would not walk away from showing her um, the kind of respect that mm-hmm. she has deserved from us. And I think just knowing, to all of us walking into meeting people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not better. We are equally as loved. Yeah. Um, Jesus loves us all the same. And we were all just probably very few steps away from being where they are, that we mm. are, we are blessed. Mm. And, um, I just sharing that with her and having a relationship with her has been special. My husband and I have probably shed more tears mm-hmm. over her than we have mm-hmm. of our son, mm-hmm. um, because we saw her try and we encouraged her. Yeah. Um, so for us, that has been huge yeah. in um, our family ministry. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think your perspective, I mean, I respect it so, so much. Mm. And I think it's a rare perspective. Mm. Um, I think I, in the in the foster and adoptive community, and especially just sort of in pop culture and sound bites, 
um, I hear more of an us against them mm-hmm. perspective. And there's this idea that, you know, we, here we are, the stable mm-hmm. Christian family, and we're going to go in and rescue mm-hmm. a child in need yeah. from the bad guys, yeah. you know, and we're going to fight the bad guys and make mm-hmm. sure they don't get this child because mm-hmm. he or she will be better off in yeah. our own home. And I think that, um, that perspective is just mm-hmm. really dehumanizing. Yeah. And so to be honest, like this is one of the primary reasons I really wanted to have you guys on the episode is I just wanted the world to hear the humility and the compassion and the Christ-likeness in your perspective and in your heart for foster care. And that is that we are all fallen. We all fall short um, from the glory of God and the love that he deserves. And yet while we were dead in our sins, he rescued us and Christ died for us. And so with that same um, understanding and just humility, you guys have moved forward in mercy and seen bio families, bio moms, as children of God to be loved and not, mm-hmm. um, not in a patronizing way, no. not in a, you know, let's teach you and show you kind of mm-hmm. way, but in a, Hey, you're a child of God and I'm a child of God yeah. and let's lock arms and do what we can for this baby. Mm-hmm. And, and what's interesting about both your situations is ultimately, even though you were in the thick of it with these bio parents and you gave it, I mean, I watched, I've watched you guys give it all, <laughs> give it all you've got bio moms couldn't, you know, reach that milestone yeah. of being able to care for their children, but it's not because of a lack of love That's right. or a lack of a desire, yeah. but it's a, they're broken lives yeah. and they've come from broken places and yeah. there's just things that they haven't been able to overcome. And yet right. your perspective is you don't reject them. You say, okay, as you said, Jen, boundaries are probably appropriate, right? but as you said, Julie, this fam- that family will always be a part of our family and a part of our child's mm-hmm. family. And so I just hope that the listeners who are contemplating foster care or maybe who already have foster children or maybe who already have adopted um, would take that perspective to heart because I think it is just so Christ-like and so honoring and also so healing to the children that you foster and adopt. Um, Mm -hmm. For our family with adoption, our daughter was 12 when we brought her home, and we always have and continue to this day to prioritize her birth family. Mm -hmm. Even though they're on the other side of the ocean, we've always made sure there's a way for her to communicate with them and be related to them and to be, you know, to pursue them as much as she wants. And um, I just think that's incredibly powerful. So thank you for articulating that and for... um, and for spreading that, I feel like your perspective is contagious in our church because mm. people sit back and go, oh, like, oh, that's the heart mm-hmm. that you pursue foster care with. Okay. You know, and I think you're reorienting one conversation at a time, the way people in our community and in our sphere, you know, those of us who are, we're well-to-do suburbanites and yeah. you're reorienting the way we view all that we have and all yeah. that we're called to do. Since yeah. this was a huge topic for you, can I just talk a little bit say, more? Say okay. more. All the um, things, Julie. All please. the things. Um, so I would say to anyone who is closed off and who does not want to engage with bio families is you are cutting yourself off from, like you said, Jen, the meat of the gospel. And there is something beautifully sacred when you walk into that space. And I've been in Bible studies, and I love Bible studies. I love women's Bible studies for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I did not feel God closer than when I walked into a room with Alora's mom and Alora and me and Jonathan and the caseworker. And it was there was nothing sacred about the room. It was actually very, very unsacred. Awful. Yeah, it was like white walls. It was in the county. It was in a county building where it's everyone should visit a county building um, <laughs> where visits take place supervised with your children. Um, 
God is close to the brokenhearted. He is there. And I am not saying he's not on the side of a pool when I'm having a Diet Coke because he's there too. (laughs) It's just he's much more tangibly there when people are losing their lives. Amen. And I, I I say to those families or those moms, yeah, that is easy. It's easier. I, believe me, I get it. I get it. I get why you don't want to engage because it hurts. It's hard. It's sad. There are no easy answers. And you feel like you, when it, if it falls apart, you feel like you cannot walk another day because you hoped beyond all hope. And, but it's worth it. Um, it's worth it for these children. If you just do it for them, it's worth it for your own heart because mm-hmm. you will see God in a way that you will not experience him in any other way, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would say press in. Um, we have our little one right now. I just was on a meeting with her dad and he said, um, I don't really want to do visits cause I don't think my one-year-old remembers me. She has an older sibling mm-hmm. and we have to be the truth. That is a lie. His one-year-old who has not been with him for five months does remember him and he actually needs him. And so we, as believers, we know the truth. That is not the truth. Yeah. That is a lie from Satan that tells him to disengage. That is why there was spiritual warfare the first time you went to your meeting. Yeah. Because you have the truth. Right. When you go into those meetings and that time with parents, you have the truth. You have the hope that you have hope for them like God has hope for them. And so we are called as believers and church, this is we need to raise up and come into these relationships because we need to tell them the truth. Yeah. The caseworkers aren't saying that. The no. caseworkers are saying, you know, it's fine. You just need to go to the visits and try hard. We have to say, no one is going to replace you, dad. Yeah. No one. No one. These kids need you, yeah. and they need Jesus. These mm-hmm. parents need Jesus, and how are they going to know Jesus if we don't tell them about Jesus and, and act like Jesus to them? And um, I was just listening to a podcast that um, there's a study out of the Casey Foundation that talks about um, when our, um, as foster parents, when we believe, when we really believe in the bio parents getting better, when we really believe yeah. they can do it, that affects the case. Our thoughts affect our actions. And if our thoughts aren't right, if we're thinking, and believe me, I am guilty of this. If we're demonizing the bio parents, if we just feel like there's no way yeah. they can do this, those will affect our actions. Those bio families feel that. And I'm not saying that you have a, a chance to change things, but I'm saying that don't. what side do you want to be on? Yeah. I want to be on the side of hope. I want to be on the side of restoration because God believes in families. Like if you are getting into foster care, the county, this is the biggest secret. They're doing a biblical principle with reunification. <laughs> like yeah. that is God's heart for families. And that's the hope mm-hmm. is that reunification will happen. It doesn't always, but we should... That should be what we should put our hope in, is yeah. believing in them beyond all belief. Because those, these kids, even if they were taken at birth and they never saw their parents, they will have a hole. That will be their biggest trauma in their life. Yep. Yeah. And so we have to believe that for them. Mm-hmm. We have to believe it because that is the gospel. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Julie. I'm so glad you shared that. <laughs> I'm so glad you said, hold up. There's more to say. Sorry. And I don't do it perfectly. And I don't want to come on here and mm-hmm. say that I know how to advocate for It's hard. And I've said terrible things about bio parents and I've been frustrated and I have 
I have cried sadness, but I've also screamed in like frustration and anger, you know, and there have been a time, there is a time where I was like, the only thing I'm longing for is heaven because that's when she's going to see her daughter. Mm. This side of heaven, I don't think it's happening. So Jesus, you better get a hold of her heart because that will be, Mm -hmm. that will be the redemption is heaven, you know, and sometimes that's my only hope, Mm -hmm. but I just feel like we have to, as believers, that has to be what sets us apart Mm -hmm. is we have to treat families with dignity Amen. Because they had the child. Like, how mm-hmm. easy is it to not even have a child right. anymore? To they, get, went, they had to, the baby. To terminate the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. They had the child. They carried this baby for nine months. Mm-hmm. Had this baby. So, And that shows that they have hope. They and have, you can build yes. on that. Yes. That shows that they have hope. Yeah. And who's and I, another thing I always thought of with our little one's bio mom is like, Who's praying for her? Mm-hmm. Is it just our family? Mm-hmm. Who's when you're not in a community? Right. Like these people are not in communities. Yeah. Like we all are right. at all. Mm-hmm. Like how? What a precious thing to get to intercede in prayer mm-hmm. over a family who is broken, yeah. and just like totally, and just with your kids and with your family, mm-hmm. praying over this broken family, yeah. praying restoration, praying redemption, mm-hmm. um, and just praying that God would move in their hearts because that's mm-hmm. really the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Um, I love your hearts for this. I love your perspective. I think it is invaluable. And I would imagine maybe there's some foster mamas listening right now, and maybe they'll put this on replay for the days that are hard. When the bio situation is hard, when they're, when they're exhausted, um, you have both just preached a tremendous amount of truth. And it's so easy to wander from the truth, but you have reoriented us. And for that, I'm so grateful. Um, now I had a number of other questions, but I'm not going to go there because I feel like where we just went is so holy, you know, the, the way that you guys have presented the truth and shared your hearts for compassion. This is really what it's about. And this is really what I hope people hear. Um, why don't you guys close with just one final thought, either a word of encouragement to the listener, whoever you imagine that to be, or, and maybe it's one in the same, could you tell us kind of how you, press on. What is the truth that you hold on to? Where is it that you fix your eyes and fix your heart? Mm-hmm. Um, just, just something to sort of let us hold on to as we close out this episode. Of course, I have, I have two things. Okay, two things. Good. <laughs> I'm sorry. One, as you're speaking, as we're sitting here, and as I'm thinking about people listening, like, and as I'm saying, this is what you should do, um, is impossible without the community of belief. It's impossible. I feel like we will burn out. We will get jaded. Um, When you take on a foster child, you have like a whole new job. You're writing like notes and you have caseworkers and you have GALs and you have all these very secular people, very secular, getting more secular by the day. (laughs) Um, People in your lives that are preaching a different gospel. And so surround yourself with the body of believers, people don't all feel the need to bring children into their home, but I feel like most believers want to help, whether that's encouraging, whether that's taking your bio kids mm-hmm. on a, a time by themselves or taking your foster kids so you can be with your bio kids or reminding you of the mission when you feel tired. Um, or the Oshmans told us at our adopt, Laura's adoption party, I don't know if it was you or Mark, who said, this is just the beginning. And we were like, what? <laughs> we just went through a 15 or 18 month foster care. I don't want to hear that. Like we're at the finish line. And they said the true 
words of this is just the beginning. So surround yourselves with people who have been through it mm-hmm. um, and also encourage people who are, are coming into it because it's hard. It's hard at all seasons. It's hard with every case and it's different. Um, so your kids need that, your bio kids, your, mm-hmm. your, your foster kids need that and you need that. So do that. Um, and then the second thing I would say is don't be afraid of the sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just feel like that is what God has taught me. I ran from, um, from anything hard because I feel like I did my time. Mm-hmm. I did my time, Lord, I did it. And God lovingly said, no, I want to use that time because mm-hmm. that is where I am. That is who I am. And yes, I am, you know, on the side of the pool with a Diet Coke. I love that. <laughs> but I am really really in those broken situations. So you want to know me, believe me and trust me. And it doesn't go away. I breathe in joy and I breathe out sadness on a lot of occasions, birthdays, Allure's birthdays. Um, there's, it's mixed. It's a mixed bag and nothing has made me long for heaven more than this. And I think that's a good thing. Mm, I think that's, that's the truth. That's the light, you know? So those are the things I would say. Um, I would say that um, you can ask all the questions and get all the perspectives, Mm -hmm. but every situation is different. God is calling us to all different things. Mm -hmm. And um, our stories are going to look so different from your stories, and our family looks different from your family. So I think that it's just wise to surround yourself with people, Mm -hmm. collect some information, um, and, and just... And be prayerful about what steps you would take mm-hmm. if it's something that would be right for your family. Um, because nobody's going to tell you how it's going to work in your family. Because mm-hmm. only God knows that. So I think it's important just to realize that nobody's going to give you the answers that mm-hmm. you really want. And that's one of the biggest things going through foster care is that you're just not going to have the answers all the time. And that's okay. Um, and learning to know that God's the only one who knows. Mm. He knows what your journey is going to look like. He knows what's going to happen with these kids or if you're even being called to this. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to just be prayerful, collect information, chat with your spouse, be in your family, and, and then see if it's right to take a step or not mm-hmm. um, in that direction. I would agree with Julie that not to run from the sadness. Mm-hmm. Um, stepping into hard things does not make sense in a world where we're told that, like, hey, you made it. Mm-hmm. Go sit on your back porch mm-hmm. and hang out with your family. You made it. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And God has given us so many blessings. And deciding what you're going to do with those blessings is something mm-hmm. that we should all be thinking about and praying about. Um, how do we want to raise our kids? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just really important to think about what we should be doing with this life. Um, sometimes we're getting close to the end of a case and my husband was like, should we take another one? And I was like, okay, you need to calm down. (laughs) I feel like Julie, we made it. Do you see the finish line? It is a month away. Why would we, why would we step into something else hard when like Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of victory right around the corner? Mm -hmm. Um, but something that my husband and I say to each other sometimes is, well, okay, so if, if Jesus were coming back in a year, how hard would you go for it? Like, how hard how hard would you go for these kids' hearts, these families? Um, how big of boundaries do you really need? So I think to have that heavenly perspective, to think you don't know what time you have. And um, God, if God is calling you into this, he, he's probably not calling you into something easy because that is for his glory. And mm-hmm. that is where the blessings are. Mm-hmm. And that is where the love is. And that is where he shows up mm-hmm. is in these really hard, 
moments that do feel incredibly sacred Mm -hmm. in a courtroom sitting next to a bio mom Mm -hmm. who you have feelings for. Now you love her and you love her kid and you love this family. Mm -hmm. That's where he shows up, I think. Mm Wow. Well, at this point, I think every listener knows why I invited you ladies on. So thank you. Thank you. (laughs) No, they're loving it. So um, I can't thank you guys enough. And thank all of you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. So we're seeking to apply his word to what's happening here and now.